Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Cool friends, let's take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I am Grace. And I'm Trevor. And welcome, cool friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to spend a little bit of time with y'all. Aww. Got some juicy topics to cover today. We do. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should we should just get into it. Do you want to? Do you have anything on your heart that you need to speak? Um, no, I just honestly, I'm excited that we have started regularly regularly uploading and uh, being able to see everybody on the on a weekly basis is pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, and for those of you tuning in today, you know that my last Instagram post was delayed, but I did get it out in time. Heck yeah! Yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, I love the little Instagram post te- teasers with the photos and everything. Mm-hmm. It's super great. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, one thing I noticed that you, uh, or that we did in the past, uh, by we I mean like you and Marissa, was like we tried to urge people to leave reviews and stuff. Should we start doing that again? Oh, yeah. Totally. Hey, hey, ghoul friends. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Just super cash. Um, hey. <laughs> please. <laughs> Cool friends, are you ready? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, get into it, Grace. I'm excited to hear your case today. All right. So this one is very interesting and very uh, close to home because Scarlett recommended this case to me a few months ago, I want to say. It was a while ago she sent me this text. And it's a case I've been wanting to cover since like the very beginning um, because I just find it very compelling. And it hits close to home also because the victim was, you know, we it was just a college student. And I know that that's, I bo- know both you and Marissa from college. So it just kind of reminds me of that. Also. Yeah, it's been five years, but it's all right. Right. So today I'm going to tell the tragic story of the death of a beautiful young woman named Faith Hedgepeth. Okay. Faith was born in September 26, 1992. Faith was a member of the Haliwa Saponi Native American tribe in North Carolina and was born and raised in Hollister. Yeah. Do you know where that is? Uh, it's usually in the mall beside <laughs> the American the Eagle. And <laughs> all, the shirtless, all the shirtless men. Yeah, it smells good in there. And there's jeans. usually like music in there going... Oops. What is this nightclub with white men and white mannequins? Yeah. <laughs> no, what it what is what, do you know where it is in North Carolina? No. Okay. I had never heard of it. So, anyway, she was born and raised in Hollister, North Carolina, which is a traditional tribal community within that tribe. Oh, okay. So, maybe like a reservation kind of thing? Kind of. I I know that it traditionally it was designated land. I don't know that it still is, but okay. that's what I found out. Gotcha. When Faith was less than a year old, her parents were divorced, and her mother, Connie, would bring up Faith 
up would bring Faith up along with her three older siblings, two brothers, and a sister named Rolanda, who was 18 years her senior. Faith was a gifted student and was very involved in her high school. She was a cheerleader and was eager to go to college. Because of her academic success, she earned a scholarship for advanced minority students called the Gates Millennium Scholarship to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where her father had attended and then dropped out a few years earlier. Not a few years, but he had attended and dropped out. Yeah. Faith had aspirations of working with children as a pediatrician and hoped to return to her tribal community after graduation. Over the summer, Faith remained in Chapel Hill working part-time jobs to earn grocery and gas money. She took the spring 2012 semester off from school and planned to return when her financial aid kicked in the following fall. Okay. Like, I don't know what that means in terms of financial aid. I'm thinking that the amount of financial aid she received for the entire school year was only enough to fully cover one semester. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And so instead of going into debt, she was just like, well, I'll apply next year and see what happens. Yeah. Kind of wish I had done that. It's fine. (laughs) I'll be, I'll pay off my loans by 2045. We're in good shape. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't even know with the amount of grants I got if that would have helped or not. But anyway. Anyway. Okay. In the meantime, during the summer of 2012, Faith moved in with her good friend Karina Rosario at an off-campus complex named Hawthorne at The View on Old Chapel Hill Road, planning to move out later that month when her own apartment became available. Faith's roommate Karina is very important in the story and another key player is Karina's boyfriend, Eric Takoy Jones, who once shared the apartment with Faith and Karina. So at, at one time, so Faith moved in in the summer of 2012. Karina had already been living in the apartment with her boyfriend, Eric. At one point, the three of them were cohabitating. Okay. So they were all sharing the space. Okay. This didn't gotcha. last long, though. Where the story gets complicated is the relationship between Karina and Eric. An interesting dynamic existed between the couple and Faith as Eric and Karina's relationship had been rife with a history of domestic violence at the hands of Eric. Eventually, Karina ended the relationship and kicked Eric out of the apartment with Faith's encouragement. What followed in July of 2012 were two break-in attempts made at the apartment by Eric even after Karina had changed the locks. With a ride from Faith and Faith's further encouragement, Karina went to court following the break-ins to file for a protective order that mandated that Eric remain away from the apartment. As far as I know, she was granted this order. So Eric was aware of Faith's influence over Karina and in her attempt to keep them apart. And he was pissed. Okay. He deeply resented Faith and allegedly during a phone call once threatened her life if she did not encourage a reunion between him and Karina. Classy. Just two months later, classy. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, girls always happen. have that one friend, you know, who like oh, totally. sets you straight. And it's like, yes, there's a lot of times whenever, you know, if you don't like if you're dating a girl or whatever and you don't like like the, that one friend doesn't approve, then it's like you're going to have a rough time. Yeah, that's true. If you're not in with that one friend, I got you. But also the domestic violence probably does it, too. So that too. I'm, like, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not writing it all off. But yeah, this guy sounds like a knucklehead. Yeah. And I think. Um, this, but this whole thing is really a testament to Faith's character, I think, um, Mm -hmm. because she's willing to stand up for her friend and stand up to this guy who she knows is dangerous. You know, they all, they both know he is. So, 
Okay. Yeah, it's brave. Right. So he he calls Faith, threatens her life if she does not say, hey, Karina, get back with Eric. Now, just two months later, on September 7th, 2012, Faith Hedgepeth was found brutally bludgeoned in her apartment. Okay. Let's talk about the events leading up to this, beginning just before 6 p.m. on September 6th. Brutally bludgeoned to death? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, super, thanks, guy. Super unfortunate. We don't know that it was Eric, though. I'll talk about that. Oh, well, thanks, so, whoever. Let's talk about the events leading up to this, because the timeline is super important here. So this is where things get a little complex. So feel free to stop me if you have questions, because if you have questions, the ghoul friends probably will, too. Okay. Okay. So beginning just before 6 p.m. on September 6th. So this is the day before Faith is found in her apartment. Faith is attending a rush event on campus as she is planning to join Alpha Pi Omega, a historically Native American sorority at UNC Chapel Hill. She's at this rush event at 545 and at 715, she leaves. So she's out there for like an hour and a half. An hour and a half at the rush event, leaves at 715. She meets up with Karina, her roommate, at 8 p.m. The pair head to the Davis Library reportedly to study and work on essays. Somewhere between 8.30 and 9 p.m., Faith exchanges a series of texts with her father, Roland, about her plans to join the sorority. So this is when her phone is active at this time. Right. At some point, Faith briefly departs the library, leaving Karina alone until Faith returns at 11.30 p.m. So I don't know how long she was gone. I don't know where she went, but it just said briefly. So... She, at some point, Karina was alone in the library and Faith went somewhere else and then right. came back at 1130. All right. At 1130, the girls leave the library and return home, arriving around midnight. Okay? Yeah. Are you with me so far? Yep. Okay. They leave the apartment a half hour later to head to The Thrill, an under-21 nightclub in downtown Chapel Hill that has since closed down, in case any ghoul friends are like, yeah, let's go there. <laughs> They they arrive at the nightclub and are seen on camera entering the club at 12.40 a.m. So this is now on the 7th, the morning of the 7th, early morning. Yep, so they got home, they changed, they went out 30 minutes later at midnight to the club, and then 40 minutes later? So they get home around midnight from the library. They change, they leave, and they get to the nightclub at 12.40. Oh, okay. They dance together for around an hour and a half, at which point Karina complains of an upset stomach and wants to leave. Okay. Now, this was, we find this out later that she had an upset stomach. According to her, she just told Faith she wanted to leave, but she told police later that it was because she had an upset stomach, but they said that in multiple sources, so I'm just including it. I don't know how important it is. Okay. Camera footage from the club tells us that the girls left at 2.06 a.m. on September 7th, And this remains the last public sighting of Faith Hedgepeth before her murder. Right. Faith and Karina get home by 3 a.m. And a witness, a downstairs neighbor, was awake watching television when the roommates returned home. And shortly after, recalls hearing three thumping noises, which she describes as similar to a heavy bag being dropped or furniture being overturned. So I'm guessing fairly loud. But having very loud upstairs neighbors myself, I... It's like she's just walking around in the morning wearing heels, and I hear it every morning. So I, I, it doesn't take much to make a sound is what I'm saying. 
Right, but you would know loud thud from footsteps. Yeah, like furniture being overturned. I don't know what that. So, it's a little after three a.m. that Faith's Facebook page is accessed. Now we don't really learn much more about this until uh, later, but um, I'll explain that kind of in the next part. This is, by the way, going to be a part two, girlfriends. I forgot to tell you that. So, oh yeah, um, it's a part two. I'll talk two. more about that in part two. Yep. At 3.40 a.m., a text is sent from Faith's phone to a former boyfriend of Karina's. The text to the ex, a boy named Brandon Edwards, reads, quote, Hey, B, can you come over here, please? Rosario needs you more. Aha. You know. Please let her know you care. End quote. Followed three minutes later by another text reading, Than, T-H-A-N, which investigators believe was a correction of the word aha. Oh. So Rosario needs you more than you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Faith's phone goes silent after this, but a text arrives to her phone at 4.16 a.m. from Brandon Edwards asking who sent the message. So new phone who dis, <laughs> essentially. Right. Yeah. Karina's phone records indicate that she was also attempting to call Brandon around this time, but he did not answer, at which point Karina tries to call Jordan McCrary, who is another boy, another student at Chapel Hill that she knows. So okay. these these fuckers are staying up late. I don't know. What, like Even in my craziest days, I was not up till 4.15 in the morning. Anyway, mm-hmm. so they're trying to reach a few friends. Karina reaches Jordan McCrary. She has since reported that Jordan arrives around 4.25 a.m. and she gets in his car, leaving Faith asleep in her room, alone in the apartment, and the apartment door is unlocked. Oh, great. Yeah, right? Doesn't seem like a great judgment call, but that's what Karina says is the apartment was unlocked. Right. Jordan drives Karina to a friend's house in Chapel Hill. Their address is in Durham, by the way. It's on Old Chapel Hill Road, but it's in Durham. It's on the Durham-Chapel Hill line. So Jordan drives Karina to a friend's house in Chapel Hill, where Karina later estimates they arrive around 4.30 a.m. So it's only five minutes away. Karina spends the rest of the night at this house on West Longview Street and attempts to reach Faith by phone at 10.30 a.m. later that morning to arrange a ride home. She calls Faith, wants a ride home. Faith doesn't answer. So Karina calls another friend, Marisol Rangel is her name. Marisol yep. Wrangel. Mar- Mar- Marisol? Marisol. I'll just say that. Karina and Marisol arrive shortly before 11, and they enter the apartment calling out for Faith. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here's something else. I found conflicting sources about this moment when Faith's body is discovered. On the 911 call, Karina says that Faith is in, quote, my bedroom. And Wikipedia and other sources say Faith is discovered in her own bedroom. But regardless of the location, she's discovered in a bedroom. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Marisol and Karina find Faith unresponsive, partially nude, wrapped in a quilt, and covered in blood. Oh. The great. girls call 911 at this time. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk about the 911 call for like the next 10 minutes. It's an eight minute phone 911 call. I'm linking it in the show notes, but I. I'm not going to play it because obviously it's like super fucking long, but this is like one of the most controversial parts of this case. Right. Is the 911 call? Yes. When the dispatcher answers and asks Karina what the emergency is. No, actually she says Durham 911, where is your emergency? Is the first thing she asks. Right. 
the first word from Karina's mouth is hi, which some experts have cited indicates deception, while others say this response is um, automatic, as we have all been socially programmed to say this at the beginning of a phone call. True. But she goes, hi, um, you know, yeah. and it was just kind of weird. Um, and it's, it actually was a good point that I didn't really think about, but I've never heard a 911 call start with hi, you know? Yeah. Well, she could be nervous or scared or something. Who knows? Just, just like so. a nervous, nervous, uh, tick. Karina's next word is, um, which is also suspicious to many as it may indicate hesitation about what to say next when it's like, there's obviously great urgency here. Right. The whole point here is that normally in a 911 call, people get right to the point. They're not like dancing around the subject. Right. What investigators later think is indicative of Karina's potential guilt is that she seems to already be certain that Faith is dead. And that's why she's like, doesn't see the urgency. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but when we, when we talk about the state of her body, well, you'll understand why, you know, like it's obviously she's dead. But she does use the word unconscious, so I'll talk about that too. Over the phone, Karina is sobbing. She tells dispatchers that Faith is unconscious and there is blood everywhere, claiming she has just arrived at the apartment. So she she has just gotten to my apartment is what she says. She also reports that there are items in the room which she does not recognize, and Karina is insistent that there had to have been an intruder. Quote, I can't believe this. Someone had to have been in there. Because she's saying there were things in the room that she didn't recognize. Right. The dispatcher repeatedly asks Karina to check if Faith is breathing, but Karina does not want to touch her. She finally Um. relents and tells the dispatcher that Faith is cold to the touch, wherein the dispatcher instructs Karina to leave the room and not touch anything. Now, this call is very controversial, and a number of people find the call suspicious for a number of reasons. One was like the high and the um at the beginning. Then there's a few other things. For one, police know for a fact that Karina was with Marisol Rangel in the apartment when she arrived. So they both found Faith together. But Marisol is not mentioned or heard on the call. And Karina uses first person pronouns. I just found my roommate. We just, or I just came home to my apartment. So she's like completely leaving Marisol out, but we know that she was there. Right. So that was like, that was weird. Like she didn't yeah, say, we weird. just, we just got back and we found our friend or me and my friend just came in or like, it wasn't, she just says me, I, my. Right. Strange. It is weird. Yeah. She also tells dispatchers that she just arrived at quote, my apartment, even though she shares the apartment with Faith. Right. So that was also weird. She also frequently uses filler words like and um, indicating a high level of stress. I also think this is really weird. And I'm looking, I was listening back on like some of the 911 calls. And even though this is a really common linguistic feature for a lot of Americans, especially Americans her age, right? Um, like college girls use this these fillers all the time. But I've never heard a 911 call where someone's like, she's like, un, like unconscious. It, she says it like that. She says, uh, my friend is like, she's unconscious, is what she says, which is weird. It is weird, but... Again, I don't know. not like a nail in the coffin, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Furthermore, Faith's name is never mentioned. So we've talked about distancing language before. 
My friend right. is like, she's unconscious. In the eight minute phone call, Karina does not mention Faith's name once. Right. She says my friend, she, the girl at one point, which kind of reminded me of another murder I've talked about, which is very strange. Um, yeah. So that's, that's also strange. The word unconscious is also weird, implying that someone is unresponsive but alive. That's usually what unconscious means, right? Is, yeah, yeah. It was just a weird um, – it's just a weird choice. Also, the reason why this word is so suspicious is when the, when the crime scene reports come out, the amount of blood and the brutal state of Faith's body would indicate that Faith was obviously deceased. Like okay. there's no way she could have looked at Faith and been like, she's unconscious and just she's alive. Like no right. way. This 911 call is frequently used as a potential example of someone attempting to delay first responders. As oh. Karina repeatedly fails to fully answer the question first asked by the dispatcher, where is your emergency? Oh, I see. I see. She keeps like avoiding the question. Right. First, Karina gives the name of the apartment complex. The operator finally says, give me the address. And Karina says, I just moved here. I might forget it. Oh my God. It's um, 5639 Old Chapel Hill Road in Durham. Okay. So police arrive and find Faith's body hanging off the bed, face up, wearing only a black shirt that is pulled up over her head. And okay. um, I can show you the autopsy uh chart not the photo but the the you know how they have that drawing of the person and they mark on there like what where the injuries are <clears throat> the location of all the uh, yeah. trauma or injuries you can see how giant there's like a wound like this like the size of like a donut on the front of her head right so, so just a lot of a lot of damage to her to her forehead yeah. and and like based on the amount of damage they were there were some sources that said her face was barely recognizable like they knew who it was based on the context but like uh -huh. she had been so severely bludgeoned that she was again obviously deceased. You would not look at someone like that in that position and say, "Oh, they're just unconscious." Like, right? You know? So now we know that police are on the lookout for suspicious behavior when they arrive, and many people have found issue with Karina's calm demeanor when investigators arrive on the scene. They describe it as serene, is the state she's in, which is right. Weird. According to an autopsy report, Faith's head was bludgeoned so severely that medical examiners rule blunt force trauma as the cause of death. The report finds cuts and bruises on her arms and legs and blood under her fingernails, which to me indicates that there was a struggle. Blood had pooled underneath Faith's head on the carpet, and there was additional blood spattered on the wall and the closet door. And almost every item in the room had some trace of blood on it. So this was like clearly a violent attack. Yeah. I mean, blood everywhere kind of thing. Yeah. Seems like there was a struggle. <clears throat> In 2016, police would tell ABC News that Faith was more likely than not raped, and police collected semen from her body at the scene. Oh. Yeah. Great. Right. To this day, police remain certain that a Bacardi peach rum bottle, normally kept in the kitchen, is most likely the murder weapon. As far as I know, the bottle was empty, but it's still fairly heavy. I mean, it's a giant glass bottle. Right. The liquor bottle was found in the bedroom with tissue fragments and DNA on it, as well as blood. It was covered in blood. Yeah. So, as far as we know, that's the murder weapon. Another Dang. chilling piece of evidence is discovered at the scene. Okay. There's a photo on the drive, Trev. 
I want you to open it up and I want you to tell me what it is. Yeah, it's like a crumpled up note. What does it say? It says, I'm not stupid, bitch. And then just jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this or is... Or I'm not stupid, jealous, bitch? No, I think it's I'm not stupid. <laughs> Don't open dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bitch, not stupid, jealous. <laughs> no, so it says I'm not... <laughs> I'm not stupid, bitch. And... <laughs> jealous okay right. so this is on a uh it's written on a white fast food bag on the bed oh and it's written in pen by hand obviously like uh like dick's last resort you ever been to that restaurant where they yeah, with the condom horrible hats? things yeah yeah and they, yeah. they put them on your head no i think it's just a bag <laughs> don't make like a biscuit like you it had a biscuit in it a biscuit yeah just like a, like fast a takeout food bag. bag yeah what did i, I what did i say was it wrong no, I just like the, I just like that you associate them with biscuits. It's interesting. Well, this particular one had a biscuit in it. That's why I said that. Oh, it did. Yes. What? That was part of your research. On yes. the biscuit, on the forensic files, on the biscuit bag was wrote, <laughs> "I'm not stupid, bitch." No, it jealous. just. <laughs> and the... No, it said the. It said the that there was a biscuit in the crime scene photo there's a biscuit next to it i just cropped it out oh wow so just fuck off okay okay the note and the pen have male dna present as well as the semen sample collected so they use this to create a singular male profile but they don't have anything to match it against obviously this is especially unusual because unlike most items recovered at the scene the bag did not have a single speck of blood on it so Because the note is clean, many people believe the killer did not leave right away after murdering Faith, that he likely took his time in the apartment and cleaned his hands before leaving the note. Oh, okay. Because there's no blood on the pen, there's no blood on the bag. Right. But there's blood everywhere else. Everywhere else. So they think he likely cleaned his hands, which in the past I've seen them do luminol tests on drains and stuff, so like they should be able to figure that out, I feel like, pretty quickly. Yeah, be able to at least see but like, they didn't remnants say anything of blood. About that. Yeah. Furthermore, a question remains unanswered. Who was the note written for? While Faith seems the likeliest target, we don't know for sure because Karina lived in the apartment as well. So it yeah. there is a possibility. Like, there's no way to know for sure because it didn't say her name on it. Even though it was left next to her dead body, we don't know if it was left to mislead investigators, if it was left... For Karina, and it just ended up in her room. We don't really know. So the biscuit's a mystery. Yes. The biscuit's a mystery. A mystery. (laughs) Okay. Um, Perhaps the most highly contested piece of evidence in this case, however, besides the 911 call, is a voicemail received by one of Faith's friends from Faith's phone the night before the murder. Okay. So this is when they're at the club. Right. At at the, the club. Yeah. The voicemail appears to be a pocket dial as the voices oh. are very distant and difficult to understand. Her friend claims that, that Faith did this all the time, like she was like known for doing this. Right. Um, but I don't I don't know. I've I've done this to someone before. So but some experts believe it captures the moments from the assault. Okay. Oh. However, police indicate that the call was more likely placed much earlier in the evening, likely when she was at the club with Karina. Okay. This checks out because there is music playing loudly in the background of the voicemail. You can hear the music. 
Right. Well, I mean, come on. Don't don't they have a timestamp on this voicemail? Like, come on. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I wasn't able to find it anywhere. Yeah. Well, maybe they did, but it's just it wasn't public information. It, yeah. I don't perhaps. know. Some argue that what is heard in the background is in fact the lyrics to the song Booty Work by T-Pain. Wow, some say yeah. that they, you can still hear those lyrics today. It's very funny. Like on the ABC video, news video I watched, there was oh, this, no. the female detective is talking about like, <laughs> you can hear, we, we uh, surmised that she was at the club because in the background you could hear the song Booty Work by T-Pain. Jesus Christ. You can't up. say the song Booty Work by T Pain in a straight voice. Like you can't. Uh, How many takes uh, do you think that took? I know, seriously. But that like anyway, the song is not important. I just thought it was really funny. It is. While one Reddit user on the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit, Jamie and Claire, asserts that it sounds like Faith is going home with someone else's ex or boyfriend and is confronted when the altercation becomes aggressive and the bouncer asks them to leave. So this is one person's theory of what the call is saying. Right. A, a decipherment,ation Enough. If you will. <laughs> the Reddit user claims to have deciphered the message and in one portion transcribes a woman saying, quote, we'll kick in your face, bitch, if you try to pull that bullshit. Don't ever do that, okay? You're right in front of me. I'll have to be rude. Unquote. Then you hear Faith saying, ow. Then the woman in what the Reddit user describes as a mocking tone says, ow, your talk sure ain't funny. Faith screams. Woman says, fuck you, bitch. Another user is convinced that the expert transcript creates an audio illusion in the brain, meaning that whatever someone says they hear, you will hear. It's worth mentioning that this user is convinced that Karina committed the murder, while the first seems to imply that the strange woman from the club was involved, and therein lies the controversy. So this, I, I talked about two Reddit users. The first one says that this strange woman, we don't know who she is, is likely involved in Faith's murder because she's, she's threatening her on the voicemail. Right. The other user thinks that Karina was involved and says that it's possible that Karina is the woman yelling on the voicemail. But it's so unclear, it's not possible for us to enhance the audio, nor is it possible for us to identify either Faith or Karina and confirm that it's them. So it's yet another mystery. Yes, correct. Roland, Faith's father, is convinced that the call depicts Faith's voice clearly and there is screaming in the background. So he seems certain that it's his daughter. And Dang. they're screaming in the background. Other friends remain convinced that it's all that it's voice it's Faith's voice on the call, while an expert insists that all he knows for certain is that the voicemail captures an argument between two women who he believes to be Faith and Karina, wherein one, not both, one sounds extremely angry. Gotcha. So this is Laurel and Yanny all over again, I swear to God. <laughs> Do you remember <Right>. that? <laughs> it's the blue and yellow dress. Yes. Which is the other dress what is it white and gold and blue and black yeah if you ask me ghoul friends it's impossible to tell i've listened to the voicemail and i you have no idea if you want to hear i think 
Crime Junkie has the full audio. I wasn't able to find the full audio online, but they play portions of it in one of the ABC News clips that I'm linking. I'll also link the Crime Junkie episode. If you want to fast forward to that portion, I think they play the whole voicemail. So oh. just keep an, uh, keep that in mind. Um, now, something really frustrating about this case, especially given that it remained unsolved for so long, was police waited two years to release the evidence I've presented you with today, including the 911 call, the autopsy, the crime scene report, and the voicemail. So they had to wait for it to get real cold. Right. In a college town, especially at a school as large as UNC, this angered many because the murderer was still at large and likely posed a significant risk to the student body. Yeah, no, that's wild. Yeah. Police did not release these documents until the pressure from those close to Faith, various news outlets, and the public left them with little choice. Faith's father, Roland, was convinced that Karina knew what happened to Faith and grew increasingly frustrated by the slow progress made in the investigation. Following the murder, Chapel Hill police conducted thousands of interviews but released very little information before 2016. The case would go unsolved for years until an arrest was made in September 2021. Though the suspect's identity had most people scratching their heads, they were reportedly on the investigator's radar for years. We'll talk more about the investigation, the years following it, and all that has come to light since in part two. In part two. Well, that's crazy. It's just mystery after mystery, man. Yeah, there's so many aspects of that case that are confusing. And hopefully I did a good job of like laying out the timeline because. Heck yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think you did good with the timeline. It was able to, I was able to understand it. Okay, good. Good. Well, that's uh, at least the first portion of the Faith Hedgepath murder. And um, like I said, this one is super sad for obvious reasons, but also just because she was so young and she had big dreams and, you know, all that stuff. So her, regardless of who's guilty, I, I think that, you know, she's, I just want to remember that she's the victim. All the people who she knew were victimized as well, right? And Yeah, and at a time in her life. life where she's gained a lot of independence, being a college student and everything, all that's just taken away. Yeah. And uh, it sounded like she had a, a, not, a not a typical um, college experience having to manage with her money and, mm. and live in a... Um, you know, share, share a living space. I don't know if that was shared equally or what, but I don't know. It just, it's a, it's super sad, but she was trying to make the best of it. And then that was taken away from her. Yeah. So, uh, we'll unpack more of that and we'll talk more about, uh, Karina. We'll be talking about Karina's ex-boyfriend. We'll be talking about some other suspects as well as some other things like those nine years that the case went unsolved. Yeah. Catching us up into, uh, to 2021 yeah. as well as uh, who they arrested. I'm, yes. I'm totally in. Yeah. Awesome. Stay tuned. Ghoul well, friends. Trev. Yeah. I'm ready when you are to hear All right, your I history. Got, I got a cool one today. Um, okay. It's a, it's a cryptid. Ooh. And um, today we are visiting Europe. Ooh, okay. For a Romanian cryptid. Whoa. Okay. Known as the Strigoi. What the fuck? Or Striga. Man, I thought you were going to say Dracula. I was really excited. Like Marissa's dog. Straight, Strig. What? <laughs> Striga. Striga? 
Yeah, but it's close, but not not too close. So. Striga? How do you spell it? Strigoi? It's S-T-R-I-G-O-I. Okay. Or Strigoi? I don't know. <laughs> Strigoi. That's I'm going to say Strigoi. Strigoi, um, Okay. Strigoi and remaining Romanian mythology are troubled spirits that are said to have risen from the grave, Ugh. or they can be living as well. So uh, it's kind of like an undead kind of living situation as well. We'll get into that as it goes along. Unconscious. But, yeah, and uh, you're gonna notice a lot of similarities uh, with a certain famous uh, famous cryptid. Okay. Or person. Um, the Strigoi are attributed with the, the ability to transform into animals. Oh, skinwalkers. Become invisible. Yeah. Not skinwalkers. Oh. <laughs> and to gain vitality from the blood of their victims. Okay, so it is vampires. Was I right? Yeah. So yeah. Bram, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula has become the modern interpreta- interpretation of the Strigoi through their historic links with uh, vampirism. Wow. So yeah. Strigoi cool. is kind of like a, um, it's a, it's a take on kind of the whole vampirism thing. Okay. But also like, this is more of a monster than like a, mm. or like a creature than, um, you know, Dracula, but Dracula is kind of an interesting take on, uh, kind of meddling or muddling the lines between uh, like a living Strigoi yeah. and a dead Strigoi, which I'll get into that. I'm so glad I didn't cover vampires for episode 50 because I thought about it. I was like really close to doing it. So I'm really glad I did it. Well, you might have ran into the Strigoi because it's, it's more awful. of the uh, it's more of the um, history kind of thing. You know, a lot of these uh, mentions of Strigoi was like a tradition, uh, traditional thing in like Romania and the area around Romania, i.e. Transylvania and mm-hmm. uh, all those all those locations there. Um Ukraine around there all that all that like eastern block kind of thing mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so you might have ran if you went deep into the uh vamp- vampirism past bram stoker which is that must have been in like the 30s or 40s yeah no i didn't i didn't research i'm just saying it was on my list it was like either the winchester mystery house or vampires vampires wow i'm glad you. yeah this is a this is a far cry from vampire diaries got it (laughs) so uh this is not uh what is it damon damon yes damon i said this is this is not edward cullen damon stefan that's twilight bitch i know i'm just i'm I'm giving a lot of modern interpretations these are more of like evil creatures okay gotcha think think witchcraft more or less like uh witches and stuff okay um Strigoi have been reported to be nocturnal creatures that prey on infants specifically. Yeah. So uh, in, in the tradition uh, in Romania, upon the birth of um, a child, one tosses a stone behind oneself and exclaims, the, int, this, as in the stone, into the mouth of the Strigoi. <laughs> I'm sure it sounds better in Rom- Rom- Romanian. Does this still but, uh, happen? <laughs> It's like you know how uh, if you if you spill the salt, you have to throw some of your uh-huh. right or left shoulder. I can't remember which one, and you'll you'll kill the bad bad luck snail Wait. that's trying to crawl into your uh, ear. That was Wait. an episode of SpongeBob, wasn't it? Bad luck snail. I don't remember that part. I'm pretty sure it was like an episode of SpongeBob, and I'm not the SpongeBob expert. <laughs> I don't know what I'm, you're I'm just not. About. Or that's it was okay. like another TV show from that era. 
It's okay. I'm glad you're here. Maybe I'll figure it out later. The bad luck Next snail. episode. Maybe I'll have an update on the bad luck snail. Okay. <laughs> where I saw that from. Okay. But yeah, it's kind of like a thing that they do, you know, just throwing stones. Like knocking well, on wood. You know, when, when a child is born, yeah. Yeah. Just ch- chucking it. Naturally. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of the dichotomy of, of the two types of strigoi. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, a strigoi v- view, mm-hmm. which is uh, V-I-U. Sure. I don't know how to really pronounce that. It could be Romanian. Um, but a strigoi VU is a living strigoi or more like a sorcerer. Okay. And a strigoi mort, which we love mort, mm-hmm. um, a dead strigoi, they're the most dangerous. They emerge from their graves in order to torment their families until their relatives die. Nice. Mort means Typically. death. So that makes sense. Right. So the strigoi can be a living man. Uh, but it's it's born under certain conditions. So like strigoi are created, like it can be like a living person. So uh, we'll take the strigoi test. Ready? Are you ready? It's a BuzzFeed quiz. Okay. Um, are you a strigoi? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So are you the seventh child of the same sex in a family? No. <laughs> oh damn. Do you leave lead a life of sin? Yes. Yeah, rip rip us, Grace, because good thing we're not, uh, you know, the seventh child or of the same sex, or we'd be we'd be sweating bullets right now, <laughs> sweating um, like a sinner in church. Die without being married, so I'm good. Fuck. Good on that one. I'm not. I'm not. Um, die by execution or perjury. That's possible. No, die by execution for perjury. I don't know what that means. Oh, like I already died. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I. Um, <laughs> If you die by suicide or you die from a witch's curse. That's more likely, I think. So I don't think all of these have to happen. I think it's just like any one of these, especially the last like dying without being married, like dying, suicide, execution, or a witch's curse, you could turn it to a strigoi. So it's if you're the the seventh child of the same sex in the family and then... And and you lead a life of sin... And or then any of that other stuff. one of those dying things. Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha. I'm following. So, um, yeah. So anybody can become a strigoi if they want. Yeah. They just got to be uh, meet a certain criteria. Yes. Um, and that's for a living strigoi. Okay. So the strigoi are, are said to be bald on the top of their head, much like... <laughs> like a monk? Yeah, I've got like a uh, an internal picture of a, of a strigoi. It's like a a white humanoid figure with like giant pointy ears and like a bald head and then just like really big eyes and like a a giant gaping mouth with sharp teeth. It's just kind of what, what I think of whenever I see them, it's like a a really, really like messed up vampire, like not Edward Cullen, like the opposite of (laughs) Edward Cullen. But here's the description. They're said to be bald on the top of their head. Um, so basically if you see any bald men out there, beware, um, especially if they don't eat garlic, onions, and they avoid incense, big red flags. Um, and towards the feast of St. Andrew, if they just sleep outside, dump that guy. He's bad news. All right. And also, also, especially 
if his spine is elongated into the form of a tail and it's covered in hair. Should probably get out of there. <laughs> so you know it's 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 a respectable third date. He right. brings you back to his place. There's a coffin. He disrobes, and then there's just a furry tail. You're you're in for one hell of a night. Oh my god! Or if he bends over when he's breaking it down on the dance floor and just and it rips and it like pops out. Yeah, just just like, splits oh, his pants. He's like, yeah. damn it, my little. Uh, possum tail flew Ew. out again. Possum tails are bald, though. I know, but they oh, got to be a little fuzzy, though. I doubt. I doubt they're like totally bald. <laughs> they, gotta be a little they got a little peach fuzz all over them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like how that made me feel. <laughs> well, too bad. Strigoi are nice. Okay. So that's kind of like a a male strigoi. You know, female uh-huh. strigoi. Mm-hmm. When they're living, uh, they'll try to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. You know, they get married, um, but soon they will sexually exhaust and kill their husbands. (laughs) I'm not making any of this up. It's in the sources. So, yeah, just uh, super, uh, super revved, raring to go, female strigoi. Oh, man. So, men, if you... uh, Queens. Men, if she she doesn't let you rest, uh, (laughs) could be a female strigoi. So, watch out for the axe. Oh, man. Yeah, that was the only thing I saw in Fiendish Boy. <laughs> okay. It's just they're like fiending for it. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. Okay. They got that drive. Plenty of guys would be into that. I guarantee it. I'm sure. And plenty of guys would die. Uh, guys would die. Plenty of guys would die. Plenty of guys would die. <laughs> See, when I mess up, you leave it in. Well, because it's funny. How's that for drama, cool friends? Anyway, next bullet. Okay. You know what? When I mess up, <laughs> it's because you don't think it's a big deal. But when I mess up, I hate it. And, I, and I'm and i not good at just like moving on. <laughs> I have okay. to, I when I make a mistake, I come to a complete stop. <laughs> and then you I'm like, fuck, I it. should take it out. And you're like, nah, leave it in. And then it's nah, too late. It. Nah, leave so it in. So I'm looking out my window, which is open right now, cool friends. So, uh, you know, I might just get got. But uh, the moon's full, and uh, that doesn't have anything to do with Strigoi. I just (laughs) I think it's awesome. Is it really? Yeah, the moon. I can't see the moon from my window. No, you can't. Only me. Anyway, I live on a different planet. Yeah, (laughs) you don't have a moon. I don't have a moon where I'm from. No moon. Anyway, um, so if there's a drought in a village, it means that there are you going to be all right? Was that Sean Connery? Who was that supposed I, to be? I don't know what that's from. I think that's a Ouch. Star Wars. No, you made it sound like uh, Sean Connery. That's why it's... <laughs> yeah, I don't know who says that, but I'm pretty sure it's a Star Wars Ouch, no moon. Because they're talking about the Death Star. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know who says it. It's probably Obi-Wan. Nah, he did. No, that's... Yeah. No, when they might... first see the Death Star? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. Yeah, he's about to go poof. That's one of okay, my favorite wait. parts of the movie. Whenever he gets hit by Vader once and he just kind of like, <gasps> like, just apparates. <laughs> Melts. He just goes back to Hogwarts. <laughs> Platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> Basically. What was I going to... I was going to say something. Oh, my God. So... I had never seen those movies until very recently. And over COVID, 
my dad made my sister and I watch them. The original trilogy. The of original Star Wars? trilogy. Okay. And his goal was to get us to watch all the Star Wars movies, and I cut it off after three. But we watched four, five, and six. Yeah. And um, my main assessment was, I mean, I understand why they're iconic, but Luke Skywalker is such a whiny little bitch. Like, I like, yeah. honest to God, this hunk of junk wouldn't go to galaxy. <laughs> it's like so fucking whiny. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he almost like, you know, has relations with his sister. God. Wild, hey, what's moment. the big idea? Man, I gotta find a girl like that. It's so gross. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> He's on some shit. Also, Hayden Christensen's acting is... So which movies did you see again? Crush. I think I watched all of them, actually. But for I'm just talking about four, five, and six when I say Luke Skywalker. And I do know that Hayden Christensen is not until one, two, and three. Okay. Yeah. So fucking keep your dick in your pants, Trevor. It's fine. I was about to say. Um, which ones did you watch? I know um, the actually, difference. <laughs> I know the difference. Yeah, I was just going off of the information I had. I just wanted to make sure you weren't disillusioned. I do know the difference. Okay. Hayden Christensen starred in with Emma Roberts about warring pizza restaurants oh, that cool. are that are in Toronto. <laughs> and Sounds he, awesome. He has he does an Italian accent in the movie, and it's just horrifying. So anyway, I like what Hayden Christensen looks like now. I like what the way he looks. Doesn't he just look super smooth? What does he look like? Just super silky. Like a wizard. Um, yeah. Hayden. Yeah, he just looks. He looks like um. Like he looks like if you bought Christopher Walken at Nordstrom instead of Walmart. That's what he looks like. Yeah, I like it. Doesn't he? That's like that. who I aspire to be. <laughs> Literally, he looks like Christopher Walken, but like handsome. This is a quite a tangent. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Leave it in. <laughs> I'm cracking up. Okay, go. I've never been to an Nordstrom. It's just super fancy. Super fancy department like, store. Like Ikea. No, not like Ikea. Ikea, everything is like under $30. We should go to Ikea. It's fun. Nah. Okay. All right. Fuck me then. No, strictly strictly business here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could. Doesn't sound like a normal Tuesday night for Shia LaBeouf, but uh, I might be able to make a make an exception. <laughs> Can we get back to Strugway now? Yeah. I like it. I've got more. I got more funnies. Um, if there's a drought in a village, you know, and Hayden Christensen's not there, then it means that there's a Strugway that prevents the rains. Interesting. Isn't it? <laughs> and if it rains with stones, parentheses hail, God punishes the strigoi who does not let cream rain fall. And if it rains with sun, it is believed that one of the strigoi has been killed, Master Wait. Wayne. Wait. <laughs> I, I was focusing on your accent and I didn't really. It's hear terrible. You. Can you say it again? It's okay. That bullet sucks. The Strigoi take the milk from the cows, the mana from the wheat, and the strength of from the people. It stops the rains, brings hail, and brings death among all men and cattle on St. George's Day, April 23rd. Okay. The boys water the girls. 
so that they don't suffer from strigoi, but also so that they don't turn into these creatures. So them boys be watering them girls on April 23rd. And honestly, sounds like a pretty fun holiday. What the fuck? I don't know about that. Sounds like a euphemism. That bullet's great, too. Of course it um, does. <laughs> to kill a strigoi, the grave of the supposed strigoi is searched, and the order is read to him by the priest, and an oak, you or ash branch is stuck in his heart. Oh, very similar to vampires. Yeah, stake to the heart. Yeah. It is pierced with a nail or knife. The heart? And then, yes. Or the stake. The heart. Okay. To remain bound to the coffin and not being able to do to go out and do mischief. So, like, you know, they stab they stab his heart, and then they pierce the heart with a nail or a knife to the, to the coffin so that they can't get out. Okay. A common way used to identify a strigoi was to place a, stri- a seven-year-old boy dressed in white on a white horse near the graveyard at midday. What? It is believed that the horse would stop at the grave of the suspected strigoi, and then you could just, like, dig him up and kill him. But if it's during midday, then, you know, the strigoi are like, bro, turn off the lights. Oh, they can't get out and kill the seven-year-old boy? Yeah, they're, they're weakened during the day. Okay. I don't know what the seven-year-old boy has to do with anything, but apparently just those two comb- combos. Maybe, like, the seventh son, like, it has to do with that? Maybe. Something seven, but, a, like, a pretty white horse? Just, like, oh, like, like, spirit? Like, they put a seven-year-old boy dressed in white on spirit, like, the from the movie Spirit? And then they just like, go get him, spirit. And he's like, nay. And there's subtitles that says, nay. I'll get him. I'll find him. And then <laughs> he walks to the grave and just, <laughs> just looks at it. And then they're just like, get him, boys. And like 10 people come out with shovels and they just start digging, like dig him up. And then they just. It sounds like you've given this a lot of thought. Yeah. There's this, I saw this TikTok that was like, what if you went up to celebrities and recognized them and said you recognize them from like obscure things? So they said they wanted to run up to Matt Damon and be like, are you the horse from Spirit? <laughs> Wait, was he really the yeah. horse? Oh, I can it's see not... the resemblance. <laughs> yeah, he's always munching on oats. Yeah, munching on something. In 1887, a good rule of thumb to prevent strigoi was if the deceased has red hair, it's likely that they'll come back in the form of a dog, a frog, a flea, or a bed bug. <laughs> bed bug is a bad, is a tough, it's a tough existence, That's, honestly, honestly yeah. for redheads. Um, <laughs> and that the deceased enters into houses at night to suck the blood of beautiful young girls. Ugh. So, uh, okay. you know, if if they're dead and they got red hair, you better go ahead and stake them in the heart and. Uh, if they're dead and, and they're and red, then they're undead. If they're red, they're dead, then you gotta keep them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but yeah. I well, you don't saying. want, I mean, you don't, last thing you want is a ginger walking around sucking the blood of young girls. So, beautiful young girls. Sorry. We're looking at you, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah. And he's gonna, he's gonna be shoved in a crypt with, with, it's like the tomb of the unknown soldier, except it's just like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Comes out and they're like, get back in there, Ed. <laughs> what? That sounds like nothing. <laughs> no, it doesn't. 
when you your legs don't work like they used to before i don't know if that, yes that's, <laughs> that's it but is also, that even a lyric yes it is when your legs don't work like they used to before <laughs> that sounds awful uh they don't suck the blood out of young female girls <laughs> see young it's female, been in there all the time and we did female girls it. it's it's also an equally terrible lyric yes Female girls, my favorite kind of girls. Female girls. God. Oh, Lord. Uh, okay, so it gets better. Um, it is prudent to mm-hmm. nail the coffin heavily, or better yet, drive a stake through the chest of the red-haired person. So you just, like, lock them up. It's prudent to nail your mom heavily. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that, cool friends. Um, using the meat of a pig killed on the 17th of October, the feast day of St. Ignatius was a good way to guard against Strigoi, according to Romanian legend. So, you know, they just kill a mig, or you kill a mig, uh, you kill a pig on the 17th of October for for good old St. Iggy, and uh, then you, you can just guard against Strigoi, which I don't know when the Met Gala or um, whatever is, but, like, remember when Lady Gaga had the dress made out of ham? Yeah. She was... Like a hundred percent protected. Oh, like because you know if if that was like in October, maybe she did that to ward, ward away the strigoi of Hollywood. So we all just need to walk around because, she... granted, she's a beautiful youngish girl. Yeah, I don't know how she, 30s, old she was. I think yeah, young in in the spectrum of human or human <sighs> human life. That's like know. saying someone's beautiful because all their face parts are in the right place. All their face meats in the good spots. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lady Gaga's dress. Yeah. Okay, so, so we all like, need to walk around sheathed in meat. 100% strigoid defense. In meat sheaths. Amazing. Yeah, meat sheaths. Anyway, um, here's a comprehensive strigoid prevention guide that I built for you, cool friends. Oh my okay? god, okay. So... Um, I found this during my research. Uh, this combines all the information so that, you know, we can prevent strigoi in the future, the present, um, and so that, cool friends, you can take notes and be able to live strigoi free. All right. So here's my comprehensive guide. Okay. First, if you got a strigoi, you, you ex- exhume them. So go rob the grave. Just dig them up. Get them out. Okay. We, we've Preferably at midday. Okay. While there's a seven-year-old boy. Right on a white horse wearing right. white. Anyway, mm-hmm. we all we all get that. that, that anyway, Matt Damon. Um, remove Matt the Damon. head of the strigoi. So just go ahead and rip that head right off. Right. Um, take it to Robert Picton. Have mm-hmm. him bisect it in two. Oh, good. Yep. Right. Like, um, what would that be? Uh, As opposed to bisect it in four. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to do it horizontally. You want you want it hot dog style, not hamburger. Um, oh. Well, it's dri- a pig, drive so. a nail into its forehead now. You, because it's in two, you're going to have to do two nails at each forehead right. because you cut it in half. Each forehead. Um, <laughs> and then place a clove of garlic under its tongue if it still has one. Okay. Um, and you're probably going to have to cut the garlic in half. So maybe right. you should do all this before you do it and then cut it in half so you don't have to cut the garlic and the head in right. two separate swipes. Right. Uh, we it, want efficiency yeah, here. Efficiency. Um, right. Gordon Ramsay would be proud in mm-hmm. this preparation mm-hmm. of this meal. Yeah. Smear its body with fat from a pig killed on St. Ignatius Day. Okay. Um, sure. You know, if you're already wearing the meat dress, you can just kind of rub your hands all over it mm-hmm. and then just kind of give it a good, like, rub down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then turn its body face down so that if the struggler were ever to wake up, it would be headed towards hell. Okay. And Thanks. not yeah. towards 
you know, the earth, like Checks where out. we live. Yeah. Where we um, live. And uh, yeah, uh, cool friends. And if you don't want to do any of that, like me, I don't really want to <laughs> rub down a, a dead body or do all that weird serial killer-esque dumb shit. Yeah. Um, just task rabbit a priest. I'm sure your local <laughs> priest could, could come and handle that for you. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah there's, there's my comprehensive gut. Wow. Wow. Everyone clap. Woo. No, I don't need it. After that comment earlier about my mother, I don't need your applause. <laughs> now you have to leave it in. I love your mother. <laughs> I'm just going to reference it so, so you have to leave in the, the longest pause of Gulf. I'm of not leaving in the pause. I'm leaving in my joke, pause. and then I already picked my laugh that I'm going to cut friends, it to. She's going to edit it out, but there was like a... <laughs> eight second like pause where i didn't say anything and grace just like awkwardly laughed i got so sweaty it was terrible (laughs) you could just hear the sweat um anyway that was fun i enjoyed it It, okay so we're gonna get a little bit of a history and and actual accounts of strigoi and then we'll we'll wrap this up but uh friends um feel free to uh send us pictures of of any strigoi you you meet out in the wild Mm -hmm. actually don't take pictures of random people well will they show up on pictures oh i don't know i thought vampires would show up in pictures. i mean that could just be like an edward cullen kind of dumb thing okay um but yeah i didn't see anything that they didn't show up in pictures but granted the traditional romanian strigoi probably predated photography true so who knows okay uh, jury's out. If you're a Strigoi, send us a picture of you in the mirror. All right. Um, one of the earliest mentions of a historical Strigoi was Jur. <laughs> yeah. You like that one? Yeah. I put, put some spice on that one. <laughs> um, I don't know how to say this guy's first name. It's like Jur, like, um, like sure, but with a J. Okay. Jur. Jury? Brando. Maybe it's that Jury. Jury. Or Jury. Anyway. Jury. The jury's still out. Jury. And then his middle name is Grando and last name is Alilovic with sure. a little squiggle over the C. I don't yeah. know. It, sound, it sounds really cool. Okay. Um, this historical uh, mention was from 1579 and from the region of Istra or Istria, which okay. is probably in modern day Romania. I don't know. I didn't, do, I didn't figure it out. Okay. Um, the, vid- uh, the, 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 the villager is believed to have been the first real person described as a vampire because he was referred to as a strigoi a strigon or strigon in temp- contemporary local refer- records so this guy recorded history about a villager who um they the town or uh the region of uh istria believed was a strigoi so this guy, this record keeper, or whatever, recorded all this for us. And the villager's unnamed, but um, some creepy guy, basically. Okay. Um, Grando is supposed to have terrorized his former village um, 16 years after his death. I Pardon me. Um, the historical Strigoi was Grando, or Jure uh, Alilovich. So that guy, he's not the historical record keeper. Someone did. He's the Strigoi. Sorry. Does that make does that make sense? Alilovich, Grando, Jure? Okay. Yeah. He's the Strigoi. Okay. It was recorded in some record in fifteen seventy nine 
that he was the Strigoi. Okay. And so he's also the villager. So he, he lived in a village and he was the first real person to be described as a uh, um, Strigoi. Okay. Because they referred to him as a Strigun or a Strigon in the contemporary local records. Got it. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Grando, the guy, is supposed to have terrorized his former village 16 years after his death. So apparently he died, but then he was still kicking around his village. Seems like perfect Strigoi behavior to me. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, he was decapitated by the local priests and villagers. Okay. So, it sounds like somehow the priest, I think it's a it's a kind of like a one of those things that happens that people get really upset about a copyright issue. Yeah. Meaning like, you know, two people come up with the same idea ind- independently. So, my contemporary guide to killing the Strigoi or keeping away is very similar to how this priest did. So he probably bisected his head, put a nail through him. But yeah, if you guys don't want to do that, I even back then in 1579, they task rabbited a, a priest right. and things got handled. So, um, okay. A little bit, a little bit sooner uh, to modern times, but not really uh, still hundred years in the past night in 1909 um, peasant children. Love that. Love just peasant children sure. from a village in the Carpathian mountains or Carpathian. Okay. I don't know. You know, they just started to die mysteriously, which in 1909, you know, it's the world's kind of turning around. Children dying mysteriously is not good. Um, this wasn't the Middle Ages anymore where children just died. Um, just so, you know, as yeah. you can imagine, uh, the village is in an uproar. Like, why are all our kids just dead? Right. Um, the villagers began to suspect a recently deceased count that was a strigoi. Dwelling in his old fortress. So they were like, you know, there's a there's a dead count somewhere. That's probably the reason to why our kids are dead. Okay. Um, so uh, the frightened villagers, you know, revolted and burned the castle down to ashes to stop the deaths. Wow. With the count inside. I, uh, apparently he was already dead. But if he oh, was a strigoi, he was, he was they dead. definitely got him. Okay. They said, take this dead count so why can't you just why can't you just burn them why isn't that the first well, thing you do first of all the, the basically how this works is the, these villagers clearly didn't task grab at a priest they just went straight for the castle and burned it straight down to the ground yeah which okay. i don't you know that that well it was to stop the deaths but you know in my research i didn't see if the deaths actually stopped occurring so right. maybe they ended up having a test grab at the priest. They pulled their little, little shekels and, and uh, silver mm-hmm. pieces together, and they were like, all right, we've got, we got to get a priest. Because, I mean, one burned down castle away from, like, you know, not having any more this castles. This is out of so. hand. This is out yeah. of hand. Anyone and it's know 1909. <laughs> exactly. It's 1909. Like, ain't, ain't nobody got no business burning right. down castles. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Castle. Right. Fuck. Jeez. Yeah. How do you burn down a castle? I don't know. It could have been a, like a wooden palisade. You know? I'm not going to get into pa- what? castle design. A wooden palisade. Okay. Maybe the castle had like, you know, wooden fortifications and wasn't like a, a rock walled castle. Like a stone walled castle like you'd see in the Middle Ages or during the Crusades. Castles are so crazy. Yeah, you know? Like, don't have stone. You just make it out of wood. You know what I'm saying? Okay. In 1969, the city of Ka- Oof. Oof. That's a lot of squiggles on a lot of letters. <laughs> um, Wait, so I'm gonna it. just go for it. Okay. 
the city of Capatene. 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 Here. Well, Grace, I want you to give it a shot. Okay. All right, cool friends. Give it to us, Grace. <laughs> this is Romanian? I don't know. It's for you to find out. There's even a squiggle underneath the T. That's how crazy this word is. Um, yeah, but it was a city. So sorry to our Romanian ghoul friends, but I, I know I will butcher that. No idea. No idea. Well, basically, in 1969, in the city of Cap, I don't know what it is, where uh, there there was a um a death of an old man, and afterwards, several of his family members began to die in suspicious circumstances. Okay. Is it, you know, is it uh what is it? How do you say it? circumstances it's like suspicious uh, is it a coincidence i don't know so the villagers yeah. decided to dig him up and uh, you know just like yo man what's what's going on so they decided just like hey let's dig him up and ask him is he killing all his family and the corpse did not show signs of decomposition his eyes were wide open and his face was red and twisted and uh they didn't task rabbit a priest so they basically just burned the corpse in order to save the soul um so okay. whether they accomplished in saving his soul, um, that's to be discussed in a future episode. Um, but that's all I have, cool friends. Wow. Task Rabbit Isn't it weird? Priest. Yeah. Because they're like vampires, but they're not. They're like vampires. They're like Walmart vampires. Well, it's it's kind of like, I'm trying to liken it to something that was like, not as sensationalized, that's older, but nowadays it's like this huge thing. I don't know. It's kind of how it is. It's like, it was kind of like this weird uh, legend that kind of got sensationalized into modern media and stuff. Yeah, I just looked up a picture. They look terrifying. They look like gargoyles, maybe? A little? I could see it, yeah. If gargoyles and the Demogorgon, (laughs) impish, (laughs) and the Demogorgon had a baby. Anyway, wow, Trev. So did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. It's very interesting. I tried to, to get pretty uh pretty funny with this one. So uh, Yeah, I liked the but the BuzzFeed because Well go friends, if you liked it, you can email us at where murder meets mystery at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at where murder meets mystery. Yeah, and, and leave us uh leave us a review on yeah. Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um our I saw our audience size grew to fifty six, so go friends, Woo! you're in good company. Yeah, make sure to uh, leave us a five-star rating as well. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next week. Yeah? Yeah, sounds good. Talk talk at you next week. We'll we'll speak at you. And if you talk back, that's fine. But we won't hear you. (laughs) But if you want to tell us, if you want to give us like a play-by-play of what you're thinking while you're listening, send sure. us an email or message us on Instagram at where murder meets mystery. <laughs> just uh, on your Gmail, open up a fresh email and just listen to us and and just write down your thoughts and just Google put in the subject. Yeah, Google YouTube. <laughs> Google YouTube. And, uh, I don't know. All right, cool friends. Well, I'm really tired. I don't know about you, Trev. I'm ready to have nightmares of Strigoys. That's great. Um, I'm going to sign off with a great uh, YouTuber sign off where it's like, thanks for coming, ghoul friends. We'll holler at you next week. Thank you for coming. We love you. Goodbye. Remember to hit that like button. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Leave us a great Smash everything you can. Smash. Life is too short. Ghoul friends, smash relentlessly. <laughs>
Yes. It's prudent to nail <laughs> nail strongly. Yes. And if <laughs> and if by the next time you you listen to this podcast next week, if you've smashed a straightaway, God send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. Anyway. Yes. Thanks, school Jeez. friends. Okay. Love you. Okay. Adios, school friends. Bye. Bye.